Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, experts, tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Today's episode of the Essential Tennis Podcast is brought to you by TennisExpress.com. Well, we've got a lot of good questions, two good questions to get to on today's show. I'm really looking forward to talking about them. Before we get to that, I want to remind you guys quickly about the different social networks that Essential Tennis is on, and you guys can keep in touch with myself and Essential Tennis that way and kind of see what's going on with the website. First of all, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash tennis. And if you're on Twitter, it is twitter.com slash tennis. And lastly, YouTube. You can check out our YouTube videos at youtube.com slash tennis. All right, let's go ahead and get down to business. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. All right, so let's go ahead and start talking about our first question today on episode number 139 of the Essential Tennis Podcast, and it comes to us from JT in British Columbia, Canada. He's a 4.5 player and wrote to me and said this, I'm a 45-year-old former teaching pro in my late teens and through my uh, 20s as well, he taught, and he's just getting back into the game and looking to start competing again. My question is about game styles. I'm a former serve and volley slash attacking player, more touch than sheer power. Given changes in the game and reduced explosiveness as we age, do you have any ideas on how to model an attacking game style in today's hard-hitting game as an older player? Thanks. Well, JT, that's a great question, and this is something that a lot of pros are are starting to have to ask themselves. Well, not starting. It's been a while now that obviously the kind of more modern power game has been taking over, especially from the baseline. And so playing a more attacking style of play, which was extremely, extremely common, in fact, the way most players played back in the day, is becoming more and more difficult And even at the recreational level, it's gotten easier to hit the ball harder because of uh, new rackets and strings. And also players are finding out ways to use better technique and use more powerful technique. And so it becomes tougher and tougher to move into the net. Well, I've got one, two, three, four. I've got four different ways for you to improve this and continue using your attacking style of play. Uh, because I want you to stay true to yourself. I think that's how you're going to have the most amount of fun as you continue to play and as you start to compete again. And it's probably how you're going to be most successful if you do it wisely and, and you're smart about it and you practice it and you develop the things that are necessary to be successful at it. I think it's how you're going to do the best because you've identified your strengths and your weaknesses And so I think we should stick with that. So I have four different kind of subtopics here, things for you to work on so that you can continue using your favorite style of play. Number one, you have to continue working on and developing your serve. 
And against uh, today's returners, you cannot serve and volley after just hitting an average serve. It's just not good enough. It used to be, you know, way back in, you know, the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, that you could come in off of just about anything and coming to the net was seen as kind of the ultimate attack. And it was very difficult to hit powerful shots from the baseline because of the equipment that they used. And because of that, coming to the net was the way to go because you put a lot of pressure on your opponent who had a very difficult time hitting the ball around you or over you consistently. Well, it's not that way anymore. And so we have to be really smart about when we do come to the net. So you have to develop your serve in order to serve and volley consistently and be successful at it. Now, three different ways that you can work on your serve or improve your serve. Number one, develop more power. And you can do this through technique improvement and also through practice. You can do it through strengthening your body. We just talked about weightlifting and tennis. Uh, Was that last week's show? No, no, it was two shows ago. Uh, Two shows ago. So number 137, we talked about weightlifting. You can get your body stronger, improve your technique, and just general practice can help you develop more power on your serve. Um, I used to be a teaching pro. I'm going to assume that you, you know, that you definitely know what the big factors are as far as technique is concerned. If you'd like some feedback on your serve, you can feel free to send me an email with a a link to a video of yourself serving, or you can post it on the forums at essentialtennis.com and I can give you some feedback that way as well. But uh, technique is definitely big. So, so that's way number one to improve your serve, to be more successful serving and volleying is to develop more power on your serve. Number two, develop more spin in different types of spin on your serve. And again, this is largely technique. You can improve your, your technique. You, you can improve your racket head speed to create more spin. You can also use different techniques to create different types of spin. And so that's another way that you can improve your serve. And mix this up with your power serves to keep your opponent off guard. And that will make it easier for you to sneak into the net and serve and volley and be successful up there. Thirdly, Develop more accuracy and variety of target, meaning different places that you can aim in the box on both the do side and add side with every type of serve that you hit. It's not good enough to have all your flat serves go down the tee and have all your spin serves go out wide. You should be able to hit both types of serves. Maybe maybe you have a flat serve and a slice serve and a kick serve. You should be able to hit all three of those different types of serve to all three main target areas, out wide, down the tee, and at the body. And if you can't do that currently, be, uh, working on it and developing that is going to make a huge difference in your ability to be successful coming in right behind your serves because it's going as you mix your targets up and you mix up your different types of serve with those different targets you're going to really keep your opponent off balance. You're going to keep them guessing what's coming next. And it's going to be much more difficult for them to get into a groove and hit tough returns of serve where it's difficult for you to serve and volley. Um, So that's it. That's number one, working on your serve. And I gave you a bunch of ideas there to develop your serve so that you can be more successful. This was a great question, by the way, JT. And um, we're going to be using probably most of today's show 
to, to talk about this. So we're a quarter of the way through now. Uh, that's way number one to be more successful with your style. Work on your serve. Number two, work on your approach shots. So once the point has, got, has gotten started and you see an opportunity to move into the net and to attack and pressure your opponent, you need to work on developing your, your approach. The actual shot that you hit before you hit your first volley. And just like the serve, you cannot come up to the net after hitting any old shot, at least not against 4.5 players, which it sounds like you'll be playing against, maybe even 5.0 players. You can't just hit you know, a medium-paced shot down the middle of the court and just waltz in behind it. It just won't be good enough. You're going to get passed all day long, and unless you're playing against somebody who you just make them nervous up there and they just don't have good passing shots, but you really can't count you really can't count on that and and so i want you to work in your approach shots as well and i've got three different ways for you to do that uh number one work on creating more depth and more pace to your top spin or drive approach shots so you're you know low to high type swing whether you hit with top spin or, or heavy top spin or maybe more of a drive and you, you like to hit through it a little bit more I don't, I don't care which one you use but you need to work on creating depth and pace while keeping your approach shots in play as you do that. Uh, the, the more pace that you hit, the more pace that you're able to hit your approach, approach shots at, the less time that your opponent will have to get to the shot, number one, and prepare for their passing shot, number two. So definitely work on, uh, on the pace of, of shot that you hit. The uh, more depth that you hit on your approach shot, the less amount of time your opponent will have to react to your approach shot after it bounces. And so both depth and pace play a huge role in how successful you're going to be when you do come up to the net after hitting that approach shot. Now, obviously, you want to work on width as well. You, you want to be able to place your approach shots reliably and accurately somewhat close to the, the sideline. You shouldn't be aiming a foot from the line you know, certainly not closer than that. You should probably be aiming two, three feet inside the sideline and probably three, four feet inside the baseline. Um, I mean, that's a, to be honest with you, that's a pretty close target. Four feet inside either line would, will probably be safe for you, relatively speaking. You're giving yourself some margin for error. But basically work on your placement of your approach shot. That's number one. Number two, having to do with hitting that approach shot, develop a slice approach shot for lower shots that, that you hit, meaning your opponent hits low and short and you're not getting up to the ball until it's below your strike zone, having a reliable slice approach shot can be really, really useful in that type of situation. And it's also a shot that you're going to want to use to mix into your regular you know, approach shots when the ball is in your strike zone and you have your choice between a drive and a slice it can be really useful to mix in a slice during that situation as well. It's a shot that if you hit well, can bite and stay low. And so it can be really effective as an approach shot. Uh, keep in mind also that depth is also really key on the slice. If you hit a, a short slice approach shot, very often those types of shots tend to sit up and sit in your opponent's strike zone and kind of make an easy passing shot attempt for them. So as you do work on developing a slice approach, if you don't have one already, definitely emphasize creating depth 
as you really hit through that slice nice and confidently and you put a good amount of backspin on the ball so it stays low both over the top of the net and once it bounces, um, work on that and keep it deep as you do that and you're going to make it really tough for your opponents. And you're going to find that different opponents like to hit passing shots off of different shots. Sometimes an opponent will like it when you approach with a topspin approach shot. Um, the, the big detractor to topspin as an approach is that the ball bounces up when it meets the court. And so a lot of times opponents will like that. It'll come up to their strike zone if they get to it quickly enough. And they're going to have an easier time hitting a pass. Other opponents will have a much harder time with a slice approach shot, even though it's a slower shot and it doesn't travel through the court as quickly. They're going, they're going to have a harder time with the slice shot because it stays lower and it forces them to have to hit upwards a little bit more to try to pass you, which a lot of times will result in an easier volley for you. So keep that in mind. Lastly, on working on your approach shots, number one was creating more pace, more depth with your topspin shots. Number two was developing a slice approach shot. Number three, and lastly, Make sure that you follow the general rules and guidelines for approaching the net in general. And namely, the one thing I, I just want to hit on quickly is make sure that you're approaching down the line most of the time. Unless your opponent really gives you a, a really obvious reason to not go in that direction. In other words, let's say that you get a short kind of low backhand and you're right-handed. So you're moving forwards and a little bit to your left to hit a backhand and you hit that down the line like you're supposed to and you hit it well. Let's say that you hit you know either one, either a slice or a topspin or drive shot. You hit it real solid, three, four feet inside either line. You, you get it right where you want it to and you, you really hit it well, which goes to your opponent's forehand if he or she is, is right-handed and they just crush a, a passing shot, you know, and, and they just just blast it past you. Once that happens two or three times, okay, now you've got a legitimate reason to start thinking about approaching cross court. Now, if you do approach cross court, you better make it good because it's going to leave a lot of room, a lot of open court for your opponent to try to pass you down the line. And it's just a lot of court for you to cover in a very short amount of time from when you hit that approach shot, and when that first volley is going to get on top of you. Um, and, and that's why approaching down the line is general. in general is the way to go. So you want to follow that rule for the most part. But there will be circumstances where you want to break away from that rule as well. It all depends on your opponent, but most of the time you should be hitting down the line. Make sure that you follow that rule most of the time. Okay, so that was number two, work on your approach shots. Number three, Work on your reaction time at the net in general. Even when you hit a great approach shot, it might come back, it might still come back at Mach 5. You never know. And, and again, we're, we're dealing, and this is the, the whole reason behind JT's topic here is that he's playing against players now uh, compared to when he played before, when he taught tennis before. He's playing players now that have a lot more potential for power. So even when you do everything correctly that I've described so far, you hit a great serve or you hit a great approach, you place it well, it still might get on top of you really quickly. Even if your opponent is off balance and they're falling, you know, off of the court, 
it's still possible that they're going to hit a really hard, fast, maybe even well-placed passing shot. So you need to spend a lot of time practicing your first volley against somebody who hits big shots off the ground. And I've got three different things for you to focus on as you do that. Number one, work on being calm and relaxed, even when the ball comes at you faster. And this is very much easier said than done. But very often that players panic, especially when the ball is coming to them fast and they have little time to react to it. Try to remain calm, stay relaxed so that you can hit an effective volley. Number two, work on hitting angles off of fast shots. Again, easier said than done. And you have to be relaxed in order to do this, in order to hit an effective angle off of a shot that's traveling at you with a lot of pace. You've got to relax, soften up your grip because you don't have a lot of court to work with when you do angle the ball. But JT, this is something that you should work on specifically against somebody who hits a hard passing shot or a hard ground stroke in general. This would be a great thing for you to work on and focus on. Thirdly, work on controlling the depth of your volleys off of fast shots. You should be able to hit uh, a volley off of a hard passing shot and place it reliably deep in the court or relax more, soften things up, and also hit it short in the court. Should be able to to do either one. And I I recommend that you really spend a lot of time drilling your volleys, working, working on your volleys so that you have the ability to do that even when the ball is coming fast at you. So that's number three. Number four, last section of my answer here to JT, work on your general variety. And uh, the reason for that is big hitting players love a consistent ball over and over again. Players who hit big ground strokes love getting a similar shot again and again because it allows them to groove their timing and get into a rhythm on either their forehand or their backhand or both. And uh, since you're since you're a touch player, and you know that you're you're better at kind of feel shots as opposed to power shots, uh, this is great. This works out great for you anyway. Uh, you should be able to develop good variety around the courts uh, because of your skills. Now, please don't take this to mean that. You should be trying to hit every single shot differently and be super tricky and hit with you know, four different types of spin off your forehand side and get all crazy and fancy. That's not what I mean. Uh, in fact, <laughs> please don't do that. Uh, but against many opponents, uh, in fact, uh, let, let me start over. In fact, against many opponents, you won't have to be creative at all. You can go ahead and just hit your typical rally ball and still be successful. Um, against a player who does hit with a lot of power and is pressuring you, you may want to simply throw in a change-up or a change of pace here and there. Every maybe three or four shots, you might want to throw in a slice or throw in a high, deep, looping shot, and typically known as a, as a moon ball, uh, just to change things up and don't allow them to get into that rhythm where they're, after three or four games, really feeling comfortable really timing their shots well, and they're just starting to crush the ball. Uh, You don't want to give them that same look over and over and over again. But I just wanted to throw in there as well, please don't overdo it either, uh, because then you yourself will have no rhythm, (laughs) and you'll just be hitting these random crazy shots from from shot to shot, totally different each time. So I, I do want you to get into a rhythm as well, 
but you should be mixing things up using different spins, different placements, different depths to keep them a little bit off balance and keep them guessing a little bit as far as what's coming. Uh, don't get, don't let them get too comfortable. So JT, there's my answer to you. And uh, that was a really good question. And just to review quickly, the four different ways that are, that are going to allow you to continue using your net rushing and attacking style of play. Number one, work on your serve. Number two, work on your approach shots. Number three, work on your reaction time at the net uh, and your general volley skills as well. And number four, work on your general variety around the courts. If you improve all four of those areas, you can absolutely be successful at a 4.5 level, even against these modern players who are hitting the ball harder than, than what you were used to back when you were playing and teaching. So JT, good luck to you. I hope that this was helpful to you. Really good topic. I enjoyed talking about it. And let me know if I can be of any further help to you. All right. Before we get to our second question in today's show, I want to remind all of you listening about the official sponsor of the Essential Tennis Podcast, and that is Tennis Express. Com. They're an online tennis retailer where you guys can go to pick up gear and equipment of any kind. I mean, really, anything you guys want, shoes, clothing, strings, uh, stringing machines, rackets, grips, whatever. They've got everything. They've got great prices. They have free shipping on any order over $75. And when you check out, please make sure to use the promotional code ESSENTIAL. I haven't set up any kind of discount with them yet. However, it does show them that you listen to the podcast and you appreciate their support and their sponsorship of the show. So thank you guys very much for all of you that have made purchases already with the promotional code Essential. I really appreciate it. And so does Tennis Express. So hopefully our relationship uh, continues to be good. <laughs> thank you all for your uh, support and to Tennis Express as well. All right, now let's get to our last question on today's show. And it comes to us from Dustin in Downey, California. He's a 3.5 player. He wrote and said, Your podcasts on how to beat pushers are great. However, I found myself facing another type of player that is close to a pusher, and I can't figure out how to win. I guess you would call him a junk baller. Most shots he gives me are either too low or way above my strike zone. What kind of hitting, I'm sorry, what is the art of hitting a decent shot back to the other side of the court when the ball is above your strike zone? I know I can back up and play the ball so it's decent, and I know I can take the ball early as well. However, being only a 3.5 player, I find that most of the time I just have to take a swing at the ball above shoulder level. What is the best way to do this? Should my grip change to a more Western grip? Do I need to be further away from the ball, etc.? Okay, Justin. All right, time for a little bit of uh, tough love, buddy, uh, having to do with the uh, footwork. And that's what I'm going to start with here. We're going to split my answer up into two different sections, one section having to do with footwork and the other one having to do with technique. Let's talk about the footwork first. And I'm going to quote you here. 
and uh, talk about uh, part of your question. You said, being only a 3.5 player, I just have to take a swing with the ball at shoulder level. So my, my answer to that, stop playing like a 3.5 player. <laughs> stop being a 3.5 player. If you, if you don't want to hit the ball like a 3.5 player, then stop doing what 3.5 players do. If you want to move up in level from where you are now, then start doing things that higher level players do. Now, obviously, you know, I make that sound easy and we all know that it's not. It's, it's not easy to just move up a level. Otherwise, everybody would be, you know, above a 5.0 level. It's going to take a lot of work, but um, you'll do it if you're serious about improving. You'll put in the work and uh, you'll put in the time necessary and you'll start moving your feet the way that you're supposed to in order to be a better player. So what do higher level uh, players do exactly? They move with the ball. And when I say that, I don't mean just right and left, but also up and back. They move up and back very effectively as well as right and left. And that up and back movement happens much, much more than most people think uh, it happens or, or realize that it happens. And uh, when I watch recreational players play, you know, when I'm just walking, you know, through the park or uh, watching players at my club play, it's really easy to pick out what level a player is just by watching their movement around the court. And lower level players just don't move with the ball very well. They're constantly hitting the ball outside of their strike zone because their footwork is poor. And so they hit the ball low. They hit the ball high. Uh, they hit the ball close to them and far away. Uh, they hit the ball in lots of places that aren't comfortable. And when you watch a 4-5 player play, you see them in a comfortable, balanced position between themselves and the ball most of the time. Now, um, obviously, some of you out there are saying, well, that's great, that's fine, but those are five, uh, I'm sorry, those are 4.5 players. So, of course, they move well. Of course, they're going to be in balance most of the time. But let me ask you a question. What do you think came first? Did they magically just become a four or five player and then their footwork started being great and they started moving well? Or do you think that they worked on their footwork and as a result started moving well, started positioning themselves better, and so as a result they became 4.5 players? Obviously, they worked on their footwork, they got their footwork the way it was supposed to be first, and as a result they became better players. Uh, and it's, it's just like any other part of your game. You need to decide that you're going to improve something, get the information that you need so that you know what you're supposed to change and how you're supposed to change it specifically. And that's my job. That's why I'm here is to give you guys that information. And then you work your butt off and you make the change. Stop saying, well, I'm a 3-5 player, so it's going to be high. Well, guess what? As long as you're making that excuse, Justin, you're always going to be a 3-5 player because you're not going to position yourself any better, and so you won't be able to hit a better shot. All right. Rant uh, is over. <laughs> uh, I, just, I just hate when people use uh, that excuse, and I don't want you guys to think that way. All of you guys listening to my voice right now, I want you guys to be above that. I want you guys to think... Uh, in terms of the future, I want you guys to think in terms of always being able to make that next step, that next move up to the next level. And so I don't want you guys to get trapped in a mindset where you're just going to accept 
the fact that part of your game is a certain way and it's not any better than that and it's probably not going to get better than that. No, that's not good enough. I want you guys to continue getting better. Now, um, as far as specific footwork stuff and how you can move your feet specifically to position yourself better, Justin, I want you to listen to podcast episode 109, which is completely dedicated to footwork. And I talk about six different types of footwork in that episode. And you can go download that for free in the archives at EssentialTennis.com. Um, so go listen to that show and then work on all the different types of footwork that I talk about. Work on implementing them into your game. And you can stop moving like a 3-5 player. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, really, wouldn't that like be awesome? <laughs> if you could start positioning yourself better, more consistently, that would make your life a lot easier on the tennis court. Now, let's talk about technique. Because uh, remember, I said that those four or five players... I said that most of the time they're in a balanced spot, but it's not always. No matter how hard you work on your footwork or how good you are at it, there will always be some shots that will be out of your strike zone because your opponent just hit that good of a shot. I mean, when you watch tennis on TV, clearly those players have incredible footwork. They have incredible anticipation. And so they know where the ball is going, but sometimes they just can't get in a comfortable place because their opponent hit a great shot. And so they, you just have to do the best you can. So I, I definitely, you know, um, I'm definitely going to agree that sometimes you just have to be able to hit a high ground stroke. I'm going to absolutely admit that, admit that. I have to do it myself, and so does every player. So let's talk about the technique of that, Justin, uh, real quickly. First of all, no, I don't want you to change your grip. Uh, you don't want to have d- a different grip for every different contact height that you have on your forehand or your backhand side. You should be able to hit an effective shot from all all different heights using the same grip. And we're, we're going to talk about how to do that in just a second. Uh, most most often, shots hit high and out of your strike zone land short or into the net. Usually, they they don't make it because it's a difficult height to make contact at. Your body is a lot weaker when you try to hit the ball up at that height. And so very often the, the mistake is made um, hitting the net or just hitting a short, weak shot in general when trying to hit a high shot back. So make sure that even though these shots are high and they're above your strike zone, you're still lifting the ball up and you're still making an upward swing towards the ball on your forehand and backhand side. Now, there's not as much room to lift the ball because the ball is already pretty high to begin with, so it's difficult. It's tough. I mean, th- this is not an easy shot. We're, we're going to put that out in the open. This is obviously not easy, but you still want to try to lift the ball as best you can so that you can not only get the ball over the net, but hopefully, ideally, hit it back deep to your opponent's side and give them the exact same shot back, even though you're in a difficult uh, position. Easier said than done, but but you should be trying to do that. Now, if um, you don't have any issue at all clearing the net, but instead you miss these shots long consistently, then you're going to want to close your racket face a little bit more, meaning angle your strings down towards the court a little bit more as you make that lifting swing and, and you make sure that the ball is going to clear the net. And again, I don't want you to do that by changing your grip, Justin, but rather by simply turning your hand and either closing your hand on your forehand side 
or opening your hand on your backhand side to close those strings just a little bit more to be able to keep the ball in play. And so just like any other ground stroke, it's a combination of lifting the ball to make sure it clears the net and controlling the racket face to make sure that it's not too open to where the ball goes too far. Um, so basically, that's it, Justin. Um, I'm sorry I had to uh, yell at you a little bit in the first part of my um, my answer, but uh, I really wanted to get that out there, and I-, I wanted to make sure you guys knew how serious I was about that, and I don't want you or anybody else listening to get stuck in a mindset like that. Um, and maybe you weren't, you know, maybe you just worded your question like that, an accident, or that's just how it came out. Um, so don't don't take it don't take it personally. Um, but I, I, that's something I really wanted to communicate to all of my listeners was that you guys can improve. Stop thinking that oh I'm a three five player and so that's how it's going to be. And that was really the main part that I wanted to respond. Uh, but hopefully my technique talk was helpful as well. And if you need any further advice or you have any further questions about this or other topics, definitely let me know. Justin, thank you very much for being a listener in California. And good luck as you continue trying to improve your footwork and those high contact shots. All right, that does it for episode number 139 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you listened to today's show, thank you very much. I really appreciate your support simply by downloading the show and listening to it. I really appreciate having you as a listener. I really do. And I hope that today's show was helpful and it gave you guys some good feedback, some good instructions, some good ideas on how to improve your game. Each and every week, that's always my goal. And um, so I hope I accomplish that (laughs) this week. All right. uh, So that does it for today's show. I'll be talking to you guys again next week when I release episode number 140 next Monday. Until then, take care. And good luck with your tennis.